Welcome to the Discipleship Podcast with Pastor Pablo Martinez. We truly believe disciples aren't born, they are made. If your desire is to grow, renew your mind, and go to the next level in the way you live for God, this podcast is for you. Pastor Pablo will be sharing the real heart of a disciple through tough but transformational truths that are sure to confront us. These truths will lead us into establishing the kingdom of God in our lives. Now is the time. Grab your pen, a notebook, and your Bible. It's time to get formed. Welcome home. Uh, it is so good to be here six feet apart. Uh, it is, uh, tell the person that's next to you, uh, welcome home. Welcome home. There you go. A person that's a little further from you, welcome home. It is, uh, you know, I just want to congratulate you guys really quick for uh, for doing this, you know, for coming out and really just worshiping God, spending time in his presence. Um, I know it is more convenient to not be here. It is much more uh, convenient and many people may feel like this is such a hassle. But for us, we know this is such a blessing, right? To be in the house of God and to be with people that love Jesus. Okay, here we go. I want to share with you now the 11th characteristic of a multiplying disciple. We're going through the 12 characteristics of a multiplying disciple. And this is a series that we've been doing now for 11 weeks straight. 11 weeks, Ryan. 11 weeks consistently. We've got one more after this. So it is the 11th characteristic of a multiplying disciple. What does this mean? There's a difference between a Christian. There's a difference between a Christian and a disciple. Did you guys know that? A lot of people call themselves Christian. As a matter of fact, just because you go to church, it doesn't make you a Christian. Just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a cheeseburger, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Does that make sense? Because you may live in a garage, it doesn't mean that you become a car. Yes or no? Right? Now, going to church will not make you a Christian. There's a big difference, right? A Christian is somebody who's accepted Jesus in their heart. That's wonderful. But then there's a whole nother level, another step to take. And that is a step to align your life to Christ. A lot of people in our nation, in our country, have come to believe that being a disciple of, I mean, a Christian is enough. And though, although, yes, there's beauty in that. And I believe that God saves you by his grace and by his love, according to his word and according to his goodness, not yours. Does that make sense? That you can never be good enough to earn salvation. All you can do is ask God. All you can do is say, here's my life, as broken as it is, as incomplete as it is, and I want your life, your eternal life. I want the gift of salvation. That is so incredible to think that God would exchange something so short, so broken, so messed up for something so beautiful. Yeah? And so what God has offered you is that. But then the next step is discipleship. What is discipleship? Discipleship is aligning your life into the order of God. Meaning, Discipleship is this, that your life begins to fall in line with the order of Christ King. If you have been going to church for a long time, but your life is still a mess, it's not because you're evil. Maybe, just maybe, you lack discipleship. You know how many Christians I come across whose lives look like non-believing lives? Their lives look so broken, so messed up, upside down, and it's not because they're evil people. It's because they haven't yet been taught to walk in the feet of Jesus Christ. Because no one has been there to confront you and to love you enough to tell you the truth. And then to pray with you and then to journey with you through your transformation. Discipleship changes a person from a nominal Christian into a true follower of Jesus Christ. Did you know that there's a difference? You will know the difference when you meet somebody who is different. 
You can meet many Christians in this nation. Everyone claims to be Christian. Many people claim to be Christian. But discipleship is something different. Disciple means I actually follow Jesus the Christ. I want to not just like him. I want to be like him. I don't want to just like Jesus. Sure, he's a nice guy. What can he do for me? It's not that. It's how can I represent him with my family? How can I represent him at my job? Amen. How can I represent him during good times and during tough times? Discipleship is aligning your life back into the order of Jesus. We're here tonight because we want exactly that. We don't just want a miracle. Yes, we want God to do miracles, but we want a life that is blessed. We want a life that aligns with Him. Amen. And so today we're going to talk about this 12... Give God a round of applause. Why not? We're outside, but we can still do it. So we're going to talk about the 12 characteristic of a multiplying disciple. We've gone through many, like dependence in the Holy Spirit, a heart for God. We talked about a, form, a, a malleable heart, a, form, a heart that is easily formed. A person who builds good relationships. We talked about a person who knows how to honor other people. Well, what did we talk about last week? Do you guys remember? Kingdom minded. A person whose mind is set on the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Today we're going to talk about one that I believe is quite possibly the most important one if you're ever going to share the love of God. And that is joy. A joy filled life. Isn't it crazy that we get to talk about a joy-filled life in these difficult times? I want to tell you where this word, this sermon came. I was spending time in South Africa and I got the time to preach in this squatter camp. Squatter camps are these places where people go and just literally pitch a tent or they start building a house with whatever items they can find in the street and they make their little houses. Well, pretty soon somebody else joined them and somebody else and then somebody else and it becomes an entire camp filled with shacks. I got to preach in this place called Soero. It's a very poor place. It's a very difficult place to live. And listen to this, okay? I was supposed to preach. I knew about this sermon about a month and a half in advance. They were expecting some American to come and preach. Listen, when I heard what God wanted me to preach about, I was mad. I was like, really, God? You want me to preach about joy to people who are going through such a difficult time? And I'm this Yankee, this American. Now, I know I'm Mexican, but I am American. I come from America, and to them, it's like, you're going to preach to us about joy? Can you see the hypocrisy? Like, you're going through such a tough time, and I'm trying to tell you, cheer up. Well, I go back into my air-conditioned house. It was a very hard sermon to preach, especially when I understood where he wanted me to preach from. It was out of James chapter 1, verse 2. Did I give it to you? Listen. Yeah, okay. So it says in James chapter 1, verse 2. Can you guys read it with me? It says, Considered all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So I began to prepare my sermon and it began like this. Consider it, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials and tribulations. You know what happened in my mind? In my mind, somebody picked up a rock and threw it at me. In my mind, I was kicked out of the church. Because when I knew which church I was going to preach that, that church had been going through such difficult times. It had bullet holes everywhere. It was the only Christian church around it. It was only mosques. 
I remember early in the morning before I got up to preach, I could hear the, you know, the, the call to Ramadan. You know what I mean? The prayer. You guys know what? You guys haven't watched any movies? Black Hawk Down? Nothing? Okay, it sounded exactly like that. I remember hearing that sound of the prayer through loudspeakers of the Muslim people. And there was this one church in the middle, this Christian church. Broken windows. It was a really, really, really difficult place to preach. But can I tell you something? That was one of the best moments in my entire life. I could tell you it was one of those times where the Lord used me so much. I thought I had gotten malaria. I was so sick for, the la for that week. I was going to cancel. But then I thought, this is a perfect sermon to preach in the midst of difficulty, even if I'm going through it. And God gave me so much strength that day. As soon as I got back into the van, <laughs> I started wanting to throw up and all that other stuff. But you know what, what beautiful thing it was to be able to say to my brothers in Africa, to my brothers there, the same thing I'm going to tell you tonight. Consider it joy, my brothers and my sisters, when we encounter trials and tribulations. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because it makes you perfect. It makes you complete. It solidifies you. It makes you stronger. Your faith is tested. Your faith is tempered. Your faith is not just in the church. Your faith now withstands the test of time, place, and season. Does that make sense? Let me go to now to what does it mean and what are those things that can take away our joy? The Bible says that joy is not just something that we want to have. It's something that we need to have. As a matter of fact, joy is a commandment. How weird is that? Joy is a commandment. Can you say that with me? Joy is a commandment. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 says, Philippians chapter 4 verse, verse 4, what does it say? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let me repeat it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord when everything is gravy, when everything is awesome, when you're doing great, when everyone around you is prospering, when you don't have to wear masks. Rejoice when? Always. COVID or no COVID? Rejoice. Amen. Give God a shout of praise. Why not? Rejoice. It says rejoice. Now it says always in the midst of sickness, in the midst of health. Rejoice always. Here's why people have a difficult time with this. Because we confuse joy with happiness. And joy is not happiness. Joy is very different than happiness. Did you know that? A lot of people think that joy is this momentary relief. Is this, this smiling and this Instagram picture that makes everyone think that your life is just amazing. But that's not joy. That's faking the funk. <laughs> joy is different. Joy, you can have joy in the midst of pain. That's so strange, isn't it? That you can say, I know that I'm going through something so difficult. Let me put it like this. George, uh, Georgie, are you here? I think Georgie Godoy. His father passed away two weeks. Georgie, I know you're joining us online. His dad passed away two weeks. He was sharing with our, with our team how his father in that same morning when he passed away, he said, Lord, if you want to heal me, heal me. But if you want to take me, I'm ready to go. And he was worshiping God that morning. A few hours later, he would be in the presence of the almighty God of his dad. Now listen, I want to tell you this. I've seen Georgie. 
go through a difficult time. But I also see George with so much hope. I see George so strong, right? I see George sharing with us this last Tuesday how he knows that the will of God is good. And in the midst of difficult, difficult time, it was a very unexpected sudden death. As a matter of fact, he was taking a vacation to visit his, his grand, you know, for the kids to visit the grandparents. He took a detour to Miami and he showed up in Atlanta where his family is. And it just so happened that during that day, a couple days into it, his father goes and meets his father in heaven. You know what amazing thing it is to say? Although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for the Lord is with me. Joy says, I may be going through this valley, but I'm not going to camp here. I'm not going to stay here. See, joy is not dependent on your circumstance. Joy is not depending on everything around you. Amen? Amen. Joy does not depend in that. Joy, the Bible says something so beautiful. Let me Actually, let me take you to the Word of God. I'm going to talk to you about four quick things. Four things that can steal your joy. Thieves of joy and how to stop them. Thieves of joy and how to stop them. I believe that every father of the house or every man of the house should be able to defend his home. I'm not going to sit here and talk about the Second Amendment right, though I could. I just want to tell you that every single man in this place should be able to defend their home. Amen. Can, men, can I hear an amen? Oh, no. <laughs> every man should be able to defend their home. Now, listen. Sometimes the person you're to defend your home from the most is you. This is something that I believe discipleship should have done a long time ago in you. But perhaps you weren't being discipled. No one ever told me that one of the biggest dangers for my children not to follow Jesus is my lack of joy. No one ever told me that the reason why so many kids don't follow after their parents' faith, so many pastors' kids even, so many missionary kids, so many ki people that serve in church, maybe your mom went to church, but you didn't and you stopped going and you stopped chasing after God. No one told me that the biggest danger for my children to lose or to, for their faith to be attacked is when I lose my joy. When I disobey God in this one thing and that is rejoice in the Lord always. It doesn't say rejoice in circumstance. It doesn't say rejoice when people reject you. It says rejoice in the Lord always. You see, if my kids... Don't see the joy in my life. Why would they want something like my life? If your kids don't see joy in your marriage, why would they ever want to get married? Someone just got really confronted because it's the truth. If your kids don't see joy when you work, then all they'll want to do is get married to somebody rich. Because they won't want the joy of working. Do you know how joyous it is to have a good day's work? And to produce? And to know that your hands... We're productive. How many of you here can say, God, I need joy because my family must know that there's joy in my heart. I'm not talking about a fake happiness. I'm talking about something that's in you that people will wonder what you got. Come, let them wonder what you got. You guys ever heard of that song? No? Let them see that. Uh, I'm not going to sing. I don't know how to sing. But there must be joy in your heart to the point where people ask you, Hey, Alex, what's going on, man? How come you're so... And you say, joyous? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What is it about a person that is so joyous in the midst of circumstances that's so attractive? Have you ever seen those kind of people? 
There was this lady that I used to be in the choir. Yes, I was in choir and I still don't know how to sing. Her name is Hermana Eduviges, Sister Eduviges. Now, she had cancer and she was terminally ill. She had all the practices and she was always with a smile. Always with a smile. And I wonder, how in the world is this lady so joyous? I was only like 14 years old. And at 14, I was this like teenager, new teenager. I was like, everything sucked. Everything was bad. Everything was horrible. And this old lady with cancer, she's showing me off. How in the world does she have that? You know, one day she pulled me aside and she said, oh, if I had your age, if I had your age, I would have begun to serve God much sooner. You know, it really confronted me because I knew her testimony. She had come to the Lord later in life and she wished she had my age to serve God. You know, she made serving Jesus and loving God so beautiful. I have to tell you this, fathers, mothers, leaders, if you want your family to come to Christ, if you want people near you to wonder what you have, you have to have joy. Joy is not an option. Joy is a commandment. Number one thing that can steal your joy, the first thing that can steal your joy is hanging on to circumstances and not hanging on to Christ. The Bible says, heaven and earth shall pass, but his word will never pass. Heaven and earth shall pass, but his word will never pass. Grab on to his word. No matter what happens, you can grab on to him. Amen? Let me go to the next one. So how, how do you fix this? You need to have perspective. How do you fix this? How do you stop this thief of circumstance to come. I want you to remember something. The Lord is always with a Christian and a Christian is always with the Lord. The Lord is always with a believer and a believer is always with the Lord. The, the, the Lord is always with a believer and a believer is always with the Lord. Amen. That means that God is with you and you're with him. To end this point, I need you to grab something. Every single one of us have something to be thankful for. Every single one of us. The fact that you're here. The fact that you ate today. The fact that we have something to pray. To, something to hope for tomorrow. It's about perspective. When you see your circumstance, I want to invite you to say, God, show me a different perspective. If you lose your job, maybe it's God asking you to reset. And to really think about what you really love. Maybe it's an opportunity that God wants you to see, but joy will open the blinds for you to see what wasn't there before. Amen. Joy brings creativity to your life. Number one, you need to have perspective if you want to not live by circumstance. Number two, pride. Pride is one of those thieves of joy. Pride tells people, I deserve this. How come I don't have this? How come she has that? How come he has that and I don't? Pride always lead you to, leads you to entitlement. Pride will not allow you. It will, not, it will not allow you to receive when someone is giving you something good. You know, I was confronted this week by something. I don't like to ask for help. I know Marcos knows this because he came and helped me. And he texted me, Pastor, do you need help or not? When I saw that, I knew what he was doing. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. He was pretty much saying, why don't you ask for help, pastor? I don't like to ask for help. And it's not because I'm a hurt. It's because I think I could do it all myself. You know how wrong that is? You're always going to need help. I needed so much help this week. And I asked for it. 
and it came. Thank you, Marcus, for coming through. Manny was there. Randall was there. Who else was there? Chris, Joshua. I, Javier, are you here? Javier, you've been such a blessing to my life this week. Thank you so much. You know what? Sometimes pride stops us from asking for help. What if you are being stolen of your joy because you haven't asked for help? What if someone next to you, someone near you, has the help you need? You know, a lot of leaders are expected to be mind readers. Husbands, your wife expects you to read her mind. Wives, your husband expects you... Wait, what? Yeah, you're expecting to read each other's mind. It doesn't work. Pride stops you from saying what you really need. What if we just say, God, I want joy over pride. The answer to pride, obviously, you know, it's humility. But the only way to really grab on and really say, God, I need to be humble, is to realize that Christ was humble. That God was humble. God in his times, in the most difficult times, he asked his disciples for help. He asked his family for help. He prayed. He said, please pray for me. I'm in desperate need right now. And they fell asleep on him. Not once, not twice, thrice. Three times these dudes fell asleep on him and he continued to ask them to hold his arms up. Am I making sense? So to speak, we need to learn to ask for help. Sometimes we can be very, uh, very sad and really joy can be sapped from us when we don't ask for help. If you're in sin, next one, sin, unconfessed sin. Now, what is sin, by the way? Sin sounds like such a religious word, doesn't it? You sinner. <laughs> don't tell the person next to you, but sinner sounds so bad. You know what sin really means? Just to miss the mark. Like if I'm throwing darts and I miss a little bit, I sinned. That's a real definition, to miss the mark. I wonder how many of us here have missed the mark today, yesterday, the day before. There's nothing so bad for you as unconfessed sin. There's a, a verse that says, when I did not confess my sin, my bones rot away. Man, what a true verse. What an incredible, powerful verse to think that unconfessed sin rots you from the inside out. I know people get sick from not confessing sin. They get so burdened. They get so weighed down. They begin to even believe that God cannot forgive them. I want to ask you to be bold. Think about this. This one man said, when you sin, sin boldly. Now that sounds horrible. I know it doesn't sound like right theology. It doesn't mean go and sin, which means sin and sin boldly. It doesn't mean that you go and sin horribly or keep on doing it like nothing's happening. But it means come boldly before the presence of God and say, God, I need you. Forgive me. I desperately need your forgiveness. Listen, unconfessed sin will destroy your marriage, will destroy your life, will destroy your health, and will destroy your wealth. Your finances, everything in your life will suffer with unconfessed sin. I'm not telling you this because I need you to be holy. I need you to be perfect. I don't need that. I need you to know something. That sin keeps you away from your dad. Sin keeps you away from your dad. I have two boys. No matter what they do, I will always welcome them home. I have two boys. No matter how bad they mess up, I will always be their dad. Did you know that your dad loves you and your dad is waiting for you to come to him? Yeah, pastor, but I already confessed yesterday. Well, there's new, new mercies for you every single morning. Every day, there's new mercies. Does that mean you're going to be like, well, there's mercies to me tomorrow. So today, woo. Not like that. 
It's not like that. Because you won't even believe yourself when you're actually asking for God for forgiveness, to God for forgiveness. It's time to say, God, I'm sorry. And now you will hear the Lord say, go and sin no more. I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. Unconfessed sin will destroy your joy. If I could end the sermon here, and I would just have five minutes with you, I would tell you one thing. I would tell you, invest into your freedom. Invest into your freedom. Have nothing in your conscience or in your heart that weighs you down. Come to Christ and say, God, take this from me. Take this attitude. Take these arguments. Take this heart that has been hardened. I don't want to be like this anymore. I want joy. My family needs me to be joyous. I need to be joyous. My body needs your joy. Amen. Confess your sin and confess it quickly. The next one and the last one, and I believe this one's really, really important, and that is religion. Religion will take your joy away. Christ never asked for a religion. God never came to establish a religion. He came to establish a relationship with you. Did you know that in the beginning, God had a perfect relationship with his children. Adam and Eve would walk in the cool of the garden, kind of like tonight, perfect weather. He would walk with them in pure intimacy. But when they sinned, the Bible says that they died. Did they die? They were still walking. Were they the walking dead? They died spiritually. They walked away from God and all his blessings. They would no longer be able to walk with the Father. As a matter of fact, they were hiding from God. And God had to ask them, Adam, Eve, where are you? And they said, we hid from you because we were naked. Now, it doesn't mean, that simple verse doesn't mean that God didn't. God created them. It's like my three-year-old saying, no, don't change my diaper. Well, he doesn't have diapers anymore. But my one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old now, he was never embarrassed of me changing his diaper. If he could, I'd still be changing his diaper. We had to stop that stuff. That's so expensive. But man, I'm telling you, when you're his kid, don't be embarrassed. God is looking for you. God really wants relationship with you, not a religion. Sometimes religion says, do all these things. All these rules, and you're going to be just fine. And I believe that you could hear the heart of God. He would say, all these rules are so simple, are so easy, if you understand my heart. If you know why things are the way they're supposed to be, instead of hmm, questioning everything, I encourage you guys to really think about this. God, I want to know your heart. I want to know the why before the how. I want to know the why you're asking of this before the how. I want us to really be blessed. I want you to be blessed. In order for that to happen, you need to start learning to live a relationship with God. Disciples of Jesus Christ, this is not for new people. This is for you. This is for everyone. I know pastors that don't have a relationship with Jesus. They have a religion. They have a job. I know missionaries that have become so tired with their labor. They no longer have relationship. Did you know that the, most, the biggest enemy of any marriage is not lack of finances, is not the secretary, is nothing like that. It's monotony, routine, the same thing over and over. Netflix again? Yeah, Netflix. But the series ended. Let's watch it again. Same thing over and over and over. You know the same thing with God, your biggest enemy with God? It's not even sin because if you're in genuine relationship with God, constantly in fervent passion with Him, 
maybe you wouldn't struggle the same way. You would be passionately and madly in love with him. I invite you guys to say, God, would you rekindle the fire in me again? I want to know you. I want to love you more. I want to know you every single day. I want to do things with you that normally other people simply don't do. When was the last time you went on a walk with God? That sounds, that sounds cheesy to some of you, but that's called relationship. When was the last time you stayed a little bit later just to talk to him? Or a little bit earlier you woke up just to worship and to spend time with him? When was the last time you really just say, God, I just want you. Even if you don't want, even if you don't give me anything, I just want you. When was the last prayer you prayed? Listen, instead of asking something of him, you simply thanked him. You worshiped him. If I asked my wife for something, every time I talked to her, my relationship with her would be really broken. If I asked you as my friends, every time I talked to you for something, our relationship would be really broken. A relationship is a two-way street. Have a relationship with God. Ask him, God, I want to know you. I want to get to know you. I want to see you. I want to see you work in my life and in my family. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's what the Bible says. You know what the joy of the Lord is? And with this, I'll finish. The joy of the Lord doesn't mean that he has his joy and he sprinkles, he sprinkles it all over you. Like here, you want some of my joy? Boom, take my joy. I want to tell you the joy of the Lord is my strength. And this is what this means. I, uh, I knew this was going to come up. I've been trying to put this tree house for my kids. When I moved to this house, this new house, there was no trees. And Elijah's wall of dreams was always to put a tree, I mean a house in a tree. He always wanted a tree house. Kids, did any of you guys ever want a tree house? All of you guys want a tree house? I want a tree house. It's pretty amazing. Anyway, we want to invite you guys to a tree house soon, kids. It is not just a tree house. It is like a tree mansion. It is nuts. Now, I'm not just tooting my own horn. I want you to know this is a labor of love by many people. I got an offer up, a couple hundred bucks. It was nasty, disgusting. I restored the whole thing. And we're putting it up. Man, this thing is huge. It's got two big old things, a big old walkway. My back is broken. My neck is hurting. I sweat it was so much. I'm like three shades darker, which I'm okay with. Listen, listen to this, okay? This was one of the most grueling tasks I've ever done. So I'm almost done with it. I'm st I still got some stuff to do, but man, it was hard work. When I was so tired, I was done. Like I was, forget this, man. This project is too hard. I'm just going to throw this trash away. Joe, is Joe here? Anyway, Joe helped me haul the thing. He, he was there from the morning to the night just taking this thing off of some lady in Glendora. Man, this thing was so massive. We were there the entire day. I wanted to just go by the dumpster and just empty it out. I was like, this is too much. Every time I felt like quitting, like saying, forget this treehouse. I don't want it no more. We don't have enough space. It's not going to work. Every time I thought, of, listen what I thought about. I thought of Elijah. I thought of him playing in it. I thought of him smiling like I saw today the first time in weeks. Like him out, you know, and you can't go to the park and jump in those things. Well, I saw him jumping. I saw him, dad, 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 it's huge, dad. It was so exciting. I saw him so happy. And every time I was wanting to quit, every time I was done with the treehouse, every time I was, it was like too hot because it was 159 degrees out there. Every time I wanted to end it, I said, you know what? I thought of the joy of my kids. Now you understand what I'm trying to say? The joy of the Lord is my strength. What pleases God that gives me strength? 
that gives you strength to say, God, I know that is difficult. This is difficult, but I want to please you. I want to endure this heat. I want to endure this trouble. And then look at your face and say, you are so happy. See, I love you so much that I want to see you smile. See, whenever you can't and you think of the joy that's set before you, gives you so much strength. Dads, moms, single moms, listen. You work so hard, so hard. You provide. I know it's not easy. It's so hard. I grew up with a mom, three kids. My dad died when I was two months old. I saw my mom, my mom work hard morning and night. Hard. And I believe she did this, not just so we wouldn't die. She did this to give us something more than just the bare minimum. She wanted to see us smile. She wanted to see us have something and be happy. I mean, I just want you to know that that's the Father's heart. How much more so is the Father in heaven? Because I know something. The joy of the Lord is my strength. What I believe that our strength and our joy, I'm sorry, that our joy also shows off the strength of God. Man, that when God sees you joyous and rejoicing, it releases power from heaven to give you something you could never receive otherwise. I tell the girls, the single girls, something that Eoni tells you guys constantly. Girls, if you're single, smile. Because you never know someone who may fall in love with that. Keep on smiling because you never know who's going to fall in love with them teeth. <laughs> that grill. God, listen, God wants us joyous. Out of joy comes creativity, like I told you earlier. Out of joy comes so much, so much strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. How about we do something tonight? And we tell them, God, no matter what happens, no matter who leaves, no matter what goes on, no matter how difficult things get, we want to remain in you and remain in joy. We want to tell you, God, that your joy is important to me. I want to please you throughout these times, that whatever I do gives you joy. And I know that will give me strength. Please God above everything else. And everything else I promise you will make so much sense. Stand up with me for a second. I want to pray for you. That God gives you a new shot of joy. Joy is not something that is optional. It is a commandment. Because a sad believer, a sad disciple is bad advertisement for the Father in heaven. If you saw my children, my children were always sad. My children were always just raggedy and their eyes were always shot. If my kids were always grumpy, what would that say of me? What would that say of Eoni as parents? If my kids were never happy with anything, if my kids had a miserable life, what would that say of me as a provider? What would that say of me as a father? You see, I want to say, God, God, I want to represent you as a child on this earth. The best way possible. I want to give you honor. And I want to give you glory. Show me Lord. How to have joy in the midst of difficult times. Husbands. Your wife needs your joy. Wives. Your husbands need your joy. Parents. Your kids need your smile. Kids. Believe it or not. Your parents need your happiness. They need you to smile. We need joy more than anything. I am so convinced. Close your eyes. Let's pray for God to give us that new strength, that new joy. Dear God, I thank you so much because you know everything that's going on, Lord. Nothing surprised you. You're not watching all the updates to see how things progress. 
You have seen ahead and you've seen behind. Thank you, Lord, because nothing is out of your control and nothing's out of your hands. We ask you, God, that you would keep us. Help us, God, to understand your will, to understand your heart, to understand that you have the best set before us. I ask you, God, that you help us to submit to your will in these difficult times, to see your provision, to see your blessing, your health, to understand that we don't depend on the news, we don't depend on the government, we depend on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That our provision doesn't come from our jobs or our bosses, our provision comes from heaven. I thank you God because as it says all over the Psalms really, cry out to me and I will answer. Cry out, cry out. I look to the mountains to where my help, my help comes from the Lord. I thank you, God, because our help comes from you and not from anything else or anyone else. I pray right now, Lord, for anyone that's been struggling with sadness, even depression. I declare in the name of Jesus and Jesus Christ that sadness has no time and no place in a disciple's life. I declare that unconfessed sin will be confessed tonight. Why don't you do that for just a minute? Just tell God that you need His forgiveness, that you need His help. Ask God to help you, to change, to forgive you. Some of you need a little bit more time and you'll be doing that later tonight on your own, by yourself, in the room. Some of my best time to pray is when the kids go to bed and simply say, God, it's just you and I. I invite you guys to do that. I invite you guys to confess unconfessed sin. I invite you to go back into relationship with God. Dear God, would you open up your arms yet again to your kids that desperately need you. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, thank you. Because today, more than ever, we see your hand all around us. I pray for safety for this people, God. I pray, God, that you keep us safe and you keep us strong. We pray, God, that you provide. Provide supernaturally for anyone in need here. Protect their jobs. Provide. Open doors. Open opportunities. Dear God. But even if you don't, we will always trust you. No matter what. No matter who. No matter how long it takes. You are with us. Dear God, I ask you to help us. To see your joyous face in the midst of difficult times. The way that we respond. Let it give you glory, God. Let it represent you as a father and us as your kids. Dear God, we'll rejoice in you always. Always we'll rejoice in you. Help us, God, to be representatives of heaven on earth. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. God, give God a round of applause.